Welcome to Everything's Totally Fine. I'm Allie Hawk, and I'll be your host this week. Every other Tuesday, we bring you people who share stories about their lives. These aren't just any people. They're the toughest we can find. Join us to hear about the times we pretend everything's totally fine. Our guest this week has a degree in mathematics from Oakland University. He's a stand-up comedian who lives in Los Angeles. I asked Peter his greatest accomplishment, and he said, waking up every day and paying his taxes like a champ. The truth is, he's also started a scholarship in his hometown in Michigan and raised over $1,500 last year. It's my pleasure to welcome Peter Banachowski to the show. My first job I ever had, I was 12 years old. And my my parents were very, like, come from an my dad's so Polish and old school immigrant mentality. He's like, you got to work. You got to work. I'm not buying you anything. If you want anything, you got to work <laughs> since we were like 10 and 11. So I was like, my mom's like, well, you could babysit. That's a way to make money. You love children. And I've always loved kids and playing with kids and taking care of babies. Like I've always, cause I was the youngest. So I always wanted a little brother, a baby. And, um, my mom's a nurse and she's like, She's just always fidgeting about germs, and uh, the, our house is always spotless at all times. And she was like, well, you got to get health safety certified by the Red Cross to babysit children. And they take you through, like, you know, the Heimlich maneuver, uh, introduction to CPR, although you don't become certified. They'll, like, introduce you to it, basic first aid. You're probably part of, like, the 1% of babysitters. I, I had to do that. My mom made me go to that training. But oh, it yeah? was like there were dummies at mine. So it must have been, I must have been a little older. I think I was, like, 13. Okay. So I get, like, uh, they, they start to give me some families. And, like, in the neighborhood, they're like, you know, our son's looking for to do some babysitting. If you want to go out for a night, dinner, whatever, he can take care of them. And at this point, it's only Devin and Mitchell. And I regularly babysit them. You know, our parents know each other, and um, I know them, and I babysit them. And one night, we're in the basement. I'm playing with Mitch. We're playing with some trains, classic kids, super into Thomas the Trains. And, you know, and I'm like, that's the thing about me is, like, I'm also basically a child. I'm 12. Right. See, there's a chance you could have been doing something similar at that same time. Right. Like, I was so excited to go play with trains for now with Mitch. I was like, let's do this, Mitch. (laughs) And I was was bigger, so I could do cooler, like, I could do things that Mitch thought were awesome with trains. And I I had ideas that would just blow Mitch's brain. I'm like, whoa, you can put this track with that track? Whoa. And I'm like, (laughs) constantly blowing this, like, three-year-old's mind. (laughs) Devin's sitting on the couch in the back of the basement room. Her eyes just open really wide and in just a panic. And you can just, you immediately know something's wrong. And she's kind of not moving. And then she jumps to her feet. And Devin's six. And she puts her hands like cross around her neck. Like that's like universal sign for choking. Exactly. The universal sign for choking. And she keeps grabbing at her, keeps grabbing at her neck. It should be noted here that Devin was eating a popsicle. I realize that like part of the popsicle has broken off into her throat and she can't breathe. And, and just, you're 12 years old and you are the responsible adult in this situation. Yeah, nobody's there. Like her parents were out to eat somewhere. Uh, I run up behind her and start to give her the Heimlich. And I just remember like this ugly, like 
purple thing shooting out of her neck and like it was like a because it's a popsicle and it's saliva and she's all she's like turning whatever and she's turning the same color as the popsicle she's just turning a little little purple girl i'm freaking out and she pops it out and there's this huge long line of like sugary purple saliva that's chasing it and just spits it out across the room and I remember I almost had like a breakdown. I started freaking out like Devin's freaking out. And it's lucky I was small almost because my fists at the time are better shaped for her abdomen. Because like an adult and a child, sometimes you can do be too forceful, it's too much. From the home phone, I called uh, Tom and Tecla. And I'm like, hey, not to freak you out or anything, but you should probably come home immediately right away really fast because uh, your daughter almost just died, and I don't know how to handle my emotions. <laughs> did you did you ever consider calling the police? Not calling once. calling an ambulance? Never in my life would I have thought of that. It was call Tom, like the outer, in my mind, call Tom and Tecla, if, and then immediately I called my parents. I was like, oh, my, she can't die. My dad's going to kill me. <laughs> like That's like the thought. <laughs> yeah. And then how glad was your mom that she made you take those classes? Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I mean, full of herself. She's like, see, I told you. And you're like, all right, all right, I get it. I don't know if I ever would have been able to use it. What do you mean? Like, I learned it, but it was, it's kind of like parallel parking where I learned it, and then I was like, um, I know practically how this works, and I can re- repeat it back to you, but in the, like, actually doing it, it might take me years to figure yeah. out. Yeah. And I haven't had as much practice with the Heimlich because I have parallel parking. But <laughs> I don't. I was a lifeguard even. I had a really busy lake with like there'd be like 400 swimmers in Lansing, Michigan, and kids would go missing. It was crazy. What? And someone like did CPR years before, and I every single day would just go to work terrified that I'd have to save somebody because I even though I took all the training and I passed it all, I was like, there's I I don't think I can actually do this stuff. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you never know. But then when you're in the situation, you know, you're, you're the one who everyone looks at the lifeguard. They see someone's drowning. They're not going to look at Chet. They're going to look to you. I lived in New York for a year. And I've, I've always, I got beat up a lot as a kid. Like, I got bullied a lot. I had, like, bully, like, classic bullies through middle school and high school. My brother beat me up a lot. So I've always been sort of always considering um, self-defense and situations where people get attacked, I guess. It also, I guess, would come from my Catholic upbringing and then having a pretty good Jesus complex of like the greatest thing you can do is give your life for somebody else. Essentially martyrdom is like the greatest concept in my childhood mind. And I'm always prepared. Like every time I'm in a coffee shop to this day, anywhere I go, I'm always, if somebody breaks in the window, if somebody opens that door, like where is everybody in the room? What do you do? And so you think of yourself in relation to the other people. Like how can I protect the people here? Right. I'm always like when I people at work always make fun of me because I'll make like a lot of eye contact. I make I'm always looking at people's eyes because that's how they give themselves away, and I'm always looking at people's hands too. They're like, "Why do you watch my hands when I move them?" And I'm like, "Just a habit." So I'm in New York in a coffee shop, and a woman walks in, middle-aged black woman, and it's important to the story and just to warn you, 
I want to. I'm going to use some language that people may not like. Don't worry, people. I'm going to beep it. It's a big. It's a larger Starbucks. Um, and you clock her like you do anybody that walks in because you're out. But yeah, well, and I mean, awake. I've always glanced. I've always glanced at everybody in the room when I'm there. I've always. I always profile people, and then a homeless guy walks in after her. And he immediately, as he as he's walking in, he just starts screaming, "Hey!" Hey, you shoe shining, get over here. Also important to the story, I feel, because like everyone thinks, oh, it's racial. The guy was also black. Okay. It was very, I didn't really, I remember not getting it when it happened. Um, and he just, but he kept saying shoe shining too. Kept saying, you shoe shining. And I couldn't, I was like, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. Are the other people in the ca- in the cafe like looking around at what's happening? Well, my you're, I'm immediately like a, a gazelle. I'm like perked, backs arched. I don't know what's about to happen, but I'm ready. I think other people, some people, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember it because I'm not looking around the room. Okay. I'm tunnel visioned in on this woman and this man. I remember there's definitely other people. I'd probably there's probably about twenty to twenty five other people here, and in my mind, it's like this sucks. Yes, but. He's not hurting her or doing anything, so I, it's just a shitty thing. He keeps saying that you, and she, she was like shocked. I remember her being like taken aback, and like turning, going like, "Are you? Is this happening? Like, are you talking to me? Is it what?" He like runs up to her, grabs her by the lapels of her jacket, and he like slams her onto the ground, and she like gets slammed on the ground, and as soon as that happens, as soon as I see his hands on her. I just get up and I quickly, in like three steps, I have like a long stride. I'm just over there. She's already by this point scrambled up to her feet and is trying to run away. She's running to the corner of the uh, Starbucks. He's chasing her. So I'm to his back and he's facing her. And are, so, are you clear mind? Like, are you clear headed? Do you know what you're about to do? Absolutely. Because. The way I like I assess the situation is I've spent I don't know why but I've spent a lot of time talking to homeless people and like just on the street whether it's in LA or when I was in New York you know like it's like when a tree they'd say when a tree falls in a woods if nobody's around do you hear it fall if you're in society and nobody looks at you or acknowledges your existence do you exist and to me, that's a lot of the psychology of homeless people, as I feel like already a lot of them have mental problems to begin with. And then even if you don't, when you become homeless, you may start to become delusional with the just to have thousands, tens of thousands in a place like New York of people walk by you every day and not acknowledge your existence. And I'm just like I just look at this homeless guy and I think he, nobody. When was the last time this guy got a hug? When was the last time anybody's given a shit about this guy? Thought about him, cared about him, sent him a birthday card. So I literally I'm behind him and I don't want him facing her. So I grab him by the back of the shoulder on the left side of his shoulder and I spin him towards me, and I look him dead in the eyes and I say, I don't want to hurt you. And you have to stop. He's just staring me back in the eyes. And he just his, his lips are just pursed, and he's just shouting, "You fuck out of my face! What the fuck you doing?" And the entire time, I'm, I don't blink. I just keep staring at him, going, "I don't want to hurt you, and you have to stop." 
and he grabs me by the throat with his left hand. He like goes with an up motion by the throat, pushes me back to the counter and slams me down. Just going, I'll fucking kill you. I'll fucking end you right now. I'll fucking kill you. What are you thinking? Are you... I'm looking at his hands. One <laughs> hand's on my throat and the other hand's n- n- not reaching for anything. It's just at his side like... I'm watching it, and it's not nothing's happening there. And and are you thinking that you can overpower him when you when you decide to? Um, no, I'm just thinking I don't want to hurt you, and you have to stop. Okay. That's literally the only thing going through my mind, and I'm. So were you like shit? Like when he had when he was choking you on the counter, were you like okay sh- shit? No, because like I, again, I, I got, I've been beat up a lot. I had an older brother who used to wrestle me a lot and fight me a lot, and like I'm literally used to being choked. Like, that's just a thing I'm used to. Just keep going. No one's jumping in. <laughs> it's just us having this cute little moment together. And I never break eye contact. I don't even blink ever in this whole experience. I don't want him to think I'm scared or worried about him or worried about myself. He let go, turned around, and walked out. Oh, and then he left. Yeah, he just left. And did the what, was did the woman, was she still there? She yeah, she was, you? she was, she was really freaked out. I remember she was like, she was like looking around like something else was going to happen. And she was like sort of scatterbrained and she said like a quick thank you and then left immediately too. And you just sat back down and, and continued working? Yeah. Nobody I, even said anything to you. No, I got a free, I got a free coffee. That's nice. Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn, and then I worked on the Upper West Side on the island in Manhattan. So the commute, it's like an hour 15, hour and a half sometimes, taking like a couple trains and then walking. And I'm at work, it's like three o'clock, I'm at my desk eating a pear I bought. And the entire time I'm eating this pear, I'm just thinking, this is a bad pear, ugh, awful. But I'm just still eating it. I'm like, this is a, I'm like, this pear tastes bad. Ugh. And by the time, I'd eaten half of it before I even looked at it. And I look inside, and it's just black. Not even browning. Like, the outside looks like a perfect pear. And I was like, oh, no. And I just, I was like, oh, I, I threw it away, and then I just eat some of my other food. And working away at my desk, and then I'm just, I just start to, like, I remember to start to slow down, like my whole body starts to slow down and I'm swaying in my chair and I'm like, I just got to put my head down and I push my chair back and put my head down and I'm like, and my cubicle is right across my boss's office and I'm like, I just hope Alice doesn't see me. I do not feel good. I don't want to see me not working. I'm like, I trying to, I, I was like trying to nap at work because I, I was like, I don't know what, 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 what is this? And then I start to, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to vomit. And I just grab a trash can and I start vomiting violently into this trash can. I don't, I'm, I'm like I'm like embarrassed. I'm vomiting at work, so Is I go it, to the. And there are people like can people hear? Is it an open? No, space? no, no, no. I'm okay. trying to be so quiet. I'm okay. like I do not want to know. I'm just vomiting my brains out. And I go to the bathroom with the trash can, vomit a little there, throw the bag out, like empty it, and then throw the bag out, and then come back. Else I don't feel well at all. I gotta go, and I just get out on the street and I just start going home trying to get to the train and I just keel over and vomit everywhere on the street just around all these people just spraying vomit and I'm like oh no 
pausing on the steps just to puke bleh, just everywhere. No, constantly. Way. And then I'm and I'm like and I remember I vomited. Obviously, I'm not even concerned with anything. I'm just vomiting, thinking. The only thought in my mind is keep walking, get home. Everybody's staring at you. Everybody's looking at you. Making like no one knows what's going on. And I remember I get on a train on the red line. I'm going. I'm no. just curled up in a ball, pale. It's winter. It's freezing. And I'm just, just pale, just hovering in my seat, rocking back and forth. <laughs> just making all these gross noises. And just I make eye contact with this like really little old Asian woman. And she's just looking in horror. She's, everyone else is doing their best to ignore me. Like there's a bubble. There's an invisible bubble around me. And I've got puke between my legs. From, and I'm just making pure eye contact i don't even realize i'm staring down this woman but i'm just staring back at this woman staring at me in horror and i just there's like silence for like a minute and then i just go <laughs> and I just vomit all over and she freaks out she gets off runs to another with her. yeah that has to be a horrifying moment for a woman just to like someone staring at her just <laughs> The entire time I have my ass clenched just going, I have to shit so bad. And I get on the second train and I'm sitting there no. on the train and I just, I, you think you're farting, but you're just shitting. No You're way. just shitting yourself. It's just like you can feel it creeping no. down your ass, under your ass, spreading through the pants. The smell is awful. I'm covered in vomit. I've got <laughs> nothing left to lose. Like, there's people on both ends and just nobody around me as I'm just covered in shit and vomiting. Oh, my God. And I get off the Was train. Was there, like, a trail behind you? Like Probably in, like, spots. Check, did you check the puddle? Like, did you look at your own puddle? Not at all. The only thought is keep going forward. Like, don't stop. Get home. Get home. Get home. How far were you from home? It would have been, I'd say, seven blocks. Okay. Seven block walk. God, that's a walk when you're covered in your own shit. And vomit. vomit. And and I've got like a cute little Red Wings hat on with a little fuzzy ball on top. It's winter. I'm feeling good. I've got my backpack on. I look like a giant sick child. I remember girls walking by because it's like there's tons of people. It's fucking New York. Mm-hmm. But you could hear people getting. Cl- I could. I knew people getting close to me as they got quieter because everyone would be like, "Oh, so I was out Tuesday and I saw Rebecca there." And I was like, "Fuck if I'm gonna." What the f- I was a giant paws in people's lives <laughs> covered in shit and vomit and it smelled so bad someone must have had to follow your trail and clean up the street somebody had to have i mean well then maybe they didn't you know what i mean it's new york you'd see stuff like that i've seen fucking loads of shit on hollywood boulevard in la literally human feces on a walk of fame star oh yeah i guess people do that and it's like and does it get clean up? I'm sure rain eventually washes it away. Or like a dog comes by. I don't know what they do. Once, when I was a lifeguard, I had to, we got, <laughs> came to work, and someone just outside the bathroom had taken a big shit, and then you could see it just drip down the brick. Wow. And my boss was like, we need to power wash this. Our only power washer, it would make the water like 120 degrees or some insane temperature. So I had on like some sort of, uh, parka suit situation and I just immediately start power watching this stranger's shit 
and then it instantly gets into the air because the water's so right, hot it just right. turned into the a sauna oh, immediately oh. ski in, underneath the park and oh. i'm just steaming in all my pores oh. like a stranger you're inhaling yeah, it yeah yeah it just, oh. it just it's like permanently part of my body now oh my god so sometimes people clean it up <laughs> <laughs> they have to to some poor guy yeah he definitely had to clean up a lot of my shit and vomit <laughs> And then, and I finally make my way home, but my place had just flooded, and I have nowhere to sleep because uh, the mattress got ruined, and I just laid in a bed. I remember I was so sick. I probably should have went to a hospital. Looking like back it. on it, yes, because from work, you probably should have gone directly from work to a proud. hospital. I didn't even know what I had. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I'm just, I'm a dumb animal. God, that sounds terrible. And I just bagged up all my clothes, put them in a trash can, threw them out. Did you keep the hat? The yeah, I still have the hat, actually. Okay, I still have the hat. That's our show. Our theme music is by Danny Janino and artist by Jen Hamilton. Tune in in two weeks for another great storyteller. Thanks for listening.